0: Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. In this episode, we're going to pull back the curtain on the church and expose the fact that many Christians have major questions about what they're seeing in today's society and don't know what to do about it. Has religion lost its way? Have we forgotten how to be a Christian? We're going to answer these questions and more when we talk to a pastor who's going to teach us how to appropriately respond to these issues. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About the Feral Christian. My guest today is Eric Jackson. He's an ordained minister, an author, a podcaster. He has an educational background and training in biblical studies, communication, and human development. He has extensive experience in nearly all aspects of church life and culture in a variety of settings and denominations. Welcome to the show, Eric.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I, I love having these kinds of conversations, and um, that was quite an introduction. It makes me uh, sound more uh, more qualified than I probably am, but um, all those things are true. And I just I appreciate um, appreciate you having me on. I, I love just talking to people.
0: Well, I think we're going to have a really good conversation today because we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the church and Christianity and where it's kind of headed. Where it has come from and um, possibly where it's headed to. So we can maybe hopefully have some answers for some people in regard to options that they may be seeking and uh, some answers they may be seeking.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of where, where my heart has been at recently is, um, you know, just realizing even in my own story, I've I've had to go through some pretty heavy seasons of of just um, you know restlessness and frustration at, at what I'm seeing and and what I read in the Bible versus what I what I see when I when I go to a church service or even you know as a pastor church services that I'm the one leading that I'm the one organizing I I've still had those seasons of just some pretty heavy questions um, and so that's where you know with everything that's going on in the world, um, more and more people I think are having these questions and they're having these, these frustrations. And so I just feel it's incredibly important for us to have these conversations and talk about them because um, that's one of the problems that the church has had for a long time is, is just the, the refusal to talk about what's there um, and just trying to get everyone to pretend like it's not there. Um, and that really doesn't work for anybody.
0: It does not. Communication is the key to everything. And unfortunately, I think we've lost a certain element of communication with you know, between people. They forgot how to communicate. They, they've they learned how to be angry. They've learned how to um, talk off the cuff. They've learned how to be resentful. They've learned how to be sad, but they forgot how to communicate yeah and,
1: and we really we we've become just uh, side takers it, it feels like that's that's our way of dealing with everything is is we draw a line and we say okay either you're on my side or you're against me if you're on my side um, then I will protect you and everything you say is right and if you're on the other side of this line then it's my job to to take you down and silence you and like you said that doesn't it doesn't work we have to be willing to to talk about these these questions um, and try our best to even be honest when we say, hey, I'm not quite sure what the answer is yet, but we should still keep talking about it.
0: Keep it open. Yeah, I know. In today's society, you know, we've made a complete transformation. There's been so many changes in how we act as a human being, um, how we are looking at society, how we are accepting or not accepting society the way it is and, and so forth. And how we view people, especially in this pandemic, because obviously we have a a disparity in human contact in being able to be with other people because a lot of times communication, like now you and I are talking, we're on audio so we can see each other. It makes it more of a personal communication, a more personal talk than it does if we were just talking on the telephone or if I was just listening to you on the radio or although I want everybody to listen to this podcast because we are being up close and personal with you, it it's a situation I think that people have um, it's changed our lives forever
1: absolutely and and I think w- what's happening is we've had a lot of you know just kind of counterfeit connection that's that's what it's been for a long time is we have you know we we have these experiences that tell us that we are connected. So whether it's, um, you know, social media, or even just going back to church, you know, Hey, we got, we got a two minute greeting time. So every Sunday I shake like 15 people's hands. So I am connected. Um, But I think even before this was happening, many people were feeling just something was missing and they're not, they weren't quite sure what it was. And I think what this has done is it's, it's taken away kind of those false connections, those things that, that make us feel like we are. Um, and it's, it's really showed us that as, you know, especially in our American culture, we are just not very good at actually connecting with each other, at actually sitting down and getting to know somebody, getting to know their heart and where they're at and what they're feeling. And so I'm hoping this becomes a good thing where we're, we're forced to learn how to do that because kind of our, 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 quick counterfeit ways that we've been feeling maybe like we're connecting with each other those aren't really available for us right now and so we're realizing oh those might not have really been doing it for a long time anyways
0: yeah i understand yeah that that makes a lot of sense actually do you think the church and christianity overall has changed because of this
1: yeah I, and i think i don't think it's ever going back you know and i think it's like everything else is when all this started happening, you know the mindset, not only for most churches but for most everybody in general, was, hey, we gotta we gotta deal with this until things go back to normal." And that was you know there's there's a few weeks where that was kind of the mindset of all right, let's just let's do what we have to do." But now I, I think pretty much everybody is to the understanding that things aren't going to go back because i think it, as human beings we we want to keep doing what we've been doing that's that you know an object in motion wants to stay in motion that's so anytime where you've got to change your routine it's really hard to do that and so if it would have been for just a week or two you know everybody would have gone back but now we're to the point where we have new ways of doing life that have become routine now. So even when this breaks, people aren't just going to switch everything that they're that they've done because these have now become routines for them. So I think even with church, we have to understand that that even when we get to the point where there's absolutely no mandates and there's nothing that we've got to worry about, people are not going to just say, okay, now I'm going to go back to what I've been doing because they have this new routine and if i know one thing about people is they do not like to change their routine once it's set so i think that's what what churches are having to understand and deal with is that they we're not going back there's going to be some new thing that becomes the norm that that we need to just understand and embrace
0: that makes a lot of sense your church for example how did you carry on during this pandemic when you couldn't when everything was shut down how did you connect with people during this time period just to give me an example
1: yeah and we we ended up getting pretty you know the way things worked out for us was was pretty good because we had you know it's it's me and then we've got a, a youth pastor on staff that that both are are fairly technical um, and even though we have a mid to older you know congregation you know in the, in the year leading up to this we had just felt like you know what we can do more with with live streaming our service, and let's implement some of those things and we had set up a lot of online things and and so um, not only were the technical things in place, but our congregation had gotten used to it. They knew hey if i 'm out of town, I can go on and I can watch it live and I can comment on it, and you know someone will comment back. And so what we did is as soon as this happened, and, you know, just like everybody else, there there was a chunk of time where it was like, we just couldn't meet at all. So what we started doing is we called them check-ins, and we would just go live. Um, So I would just, I would just go live. And it was just me and, you know, a guitar or whatever. And um, what we did that I think really helped is we tried to engage. So it wasn't just Hey, I'm doing my own thing and you're supposed to watch. It was very much, you know, I would ask a question, like, you know, think of something dumb and be like, Hey, what's your favorite soup? And as people were commenting, I was reading it live and, and saying, Oh, and, and so you're hearing other people's names and you're going, Oh, they're watching. I love them. And they're commenting on each other's and it, it's not, it wasn't perfect, but we did this like five nights a week. So it was just this constant, you know, we went all in on this because that's, I started to realize the need for connection at that point. So that really helped us stay together during this time. That's
0: outstanding. outstanding. What do you think? I'm going to ask your opinion on this just because I think it's part of the conversation. What do you think of these individuals that um, in spite of the pandemic, they went ahead and held services anyway, because I know that some, some of them large numbers of their members ended up with COVID, which I guess yeah, you know, really, to me was the kind was of
1: selfish. Yeah, it was really sad to see those churches that, um, you know, people really, really got sick and got hurt. I mean, it's it's tough because, you know, one thing I've realized is not not everybody is going to read certain scripture the exact same way it's just even even in the same denomination. So once you start getting multiple denominations, and so, you know, I think I think for those people, they really thought that that was what they needed to do. If if they were going to have scripture, you know, be like, "Hey, I believe this, then we have to do that." I don't read it that way. You know, to me it's I I felt really confident about um, you know, because for me, and, and this actually, like you said, this is a big part of the conversation. For me, the problem is a lot of us have redefined what church means. So, and, and this is something that happens throughout any arena of the world, but especially in, in uh, religious sectors is we take words that are important and we, we keep those words because they sound good, but we just change what they mean. And so we can continue to sound good. And so, um, and this is nothing new. The Pharisees did this in the New Testament. They were constantly, you know, taking words and just changing what they meant. Um, and so I think what happened was when, when I say the word church, you know, the Bible says, don't stop gathering together. And, and so what has happened is I think there are a lot of people who view, well, if we stop doing our definition of church then that means we disobeyed God. But you got to understand when that was said, gatherings were taking place in people's houses and things like that. And so, you know, for me, I think that's the problem is we take our definition of church and rather than saying, hey, we can still do church while keeping people safe and and all of those things. It's kind of like, nope, this is our definition of church. We refuse to change it. And we will do whatever we have to do to keep doing how we define church as. And unfortunately, people people got hurt, um, you know, and that's, that's sad.
0: Yeah, you guys took a very proactive approach, and I I kudos for that because you took a proactive pro- approach prior to what was going on, and then it was easy enough to implement it. Then I agree with you. People forget that, you know, the the most important thing that they express through. I mean, I I was raised Catholic. I don't practice as a Catholic any longer um, for my own reasons, but I've explored other churches all the way from Nazarene, uh, Southern Baptist, uh, everything but Mormon, because Mormon have their specific rules, and you know if you're an outsider, you can't come in anyway. So I've explored all versions of, of church, and I've done a lot of religious um, research on my own, just to kind of get better understanding from different aspects, and I agree with you. You know, each one of those churches that I went into, they had a, a Bible or they had, you know, a scripture that they read, but some of them were just different. Each one of them were a little bit different, and they were kind of related a little bit different and understood a little bit different. The thing that, that I was always told and the thing that I was always taught, and I, I'm sure you'll agree with me, is that, you know, God is, if you want God around you, God is around you. God's around you all the time. So if you want to talk, you can talk. So, you know, I, I think that the, the stringent, you know, especially in this time and day and age, you know, you're correct that, you know, gathering doesn't necessarily mean you all have to cram 50 people inside your house that you can do it technology wise now, which is great. Absolutely. From that
1: aspect. And I, what I was encouraging people to do, because there was this, you know, there's this weird in between time where, you know, I'm, I'm in Wisconsin. And so there's this weird in between time where it was like, Hey, don't gather more than 10 people. So for us, it was like, hey, doing a church service is, you know, that's out of the question. Because if we're if we're trying to keep it to 10, we would have to do, you know, that's all we would be doing throughout the week is
0: all day is, long. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it's like at that point, it's like, go, you know, go have lunch with with somebody. You know, you can do it's, it's totally go read, go have a little Bible study with with a few friends. You know, this is all on the table but again it's we are conditioned to say church has to look like this and and it's it our definition isn't coming from the bible it's coming from just our tradition like i said we like our routine we don't want to change our routine and so you know it's a lot of times you know the people feel like they're fighting for god when they're just fighting for their routine and that's what we have to be careful of. And you can see it in the New Testament because the, the Pharisees had redefined the Sabbath, which is basically our version of, of church. And, and um, you know, Jesus had basically, you know, he was, he was saying, look, I want to show you what the real definition of the Sabbath is. It's a time for healing. It's a time to be recharged. It's a time for me to fill into you. It's not a time for you to be worried about rules, but they had kind of redefined it and you see them fighting back and forth. And and Jesus really finally got to the point where he just, you know, he made a man who needed a healing, go stand up. And he looked at him and he was like, do you want me to heal him? Because it was on a Sabbath. And they just, they couldn't give up their definition, even to see something really good happen. It was like, it's that tug of war over whose definition of Sabbath wins. And, and I think that there's times where, you know, as as the church, we struggle with the same thing. You know, we just won't let go of our definition of church, even when God is trying to show us a better one. Um, and so, I think this has been a time of just us understanding that you know our definition of church has has some ways to grow and improve.
0: I agree with that. Speaking of that, and in, of in Jesus, I've got a question, and hopefully, this is not off limits. But with the current political um, Arena in certain individuals that are to me not showing um, compassion, empathy, um, I mean with some of the other understanding, uh, it's kind of completely disappeared in in I have to be careful how I, how I say this, or can you help me to understand how certain types of evangel- evangelicals Continue to support an individual or a group of individuals that have no empathy, no compassion, no understanding. They don't treat people like human beings. It's not a giving your poor. Let me let me feed your hungry. It's just created such a negative aspect around everything. Can you help me understand a little bit of that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, and and I don't know, you know, I don't know how much I fully understand it too. I think, well, and I had kind of said before we you know, as the church, we are supposed to be over and above this, this whole idea that a lot of people have, which is, you know, I draw the line. And if you're on the other side, you're my enemy. And if you're on my side, you're perfect. You can't do anything wrong. Because that is unfortunately how things tend to go. And, you know, as the church, that's one of the ways we can be the light is we don't do that. And so for me, unfortunately, I think a lot of, a lot of even Christians have fallen into this mindset of, hey, a line has been drawn, and if you're on my side, then you can't do anything wrong. Everything you do is right and perfect, and I'll defend it and come up with excuses. And if you're on the other side, well, then I, you're my enemy. I'm going to take you out. I'll do whatever I can. And this is just a very toxic mindset. And unfortunately, it's made its way into the church which it, it has no place being because, you know, as Christians, we're, we're called to love justice and seek for the right thing to happen, you know, and, and for me, I just wonder, you know, where the, where, where the challenging your own side went. And it goes for both sides, but it used to, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at I'm a successful team, they challenge each other and they call each other out when they're not, you know, and that's what I wish that I saw. You know, I think for, for a lot of people, there's going to be a few key topics that's going to, you know, determine who they vote for. But that doesn't stop you from going, you know, looking to your own side when they are off and saying, hey, like, I'm going to still vote for you because, you know, this is incredibly important to me, but I'm letting you know, I'm not okay with these other things. And not only does that not weaken your side, it strengthens your side. And that's, that's my wish for, for a lot of the churches. It's like, I understand the reason most of them vote the way that they vote. And I, and I probably agree with them on that, but that doesn't stop you from standing up you know, even against your own side and saying, Hey, I'm not okay with this. You don't get a free ride just because I'm voting for you. And I think if, if both sides did it, the world would be a much better place. But if anybody's going to do it, it should be the church. You know, we should be able to do what other people aren't doing.
0: I agree. So you had mentioned to me that you, um, I think you talk about it in your book and, and so forth, but how are the current events of today exposing some issues in the church?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting because, you know, I think this is a time, and not just in the church, but um, we see it in Hollywood. We see it all over the place. This is a time where things are just being brought to light. Things that have been kind of pushed down and hidden for a long time are being exposed. And it's a lot of things that, you know, quite honestly, we probably don't want to see, you know, and that's, that's biblical. The Bible says everything that's hidden will be brought to the light. Like, you know, the truth is going to come out. And so I think it's, it's the same as, as the church. And I think it's, a. you know, we've been able to hide behind our programming. We've been able to hide behind our facilities. We've been able to hide behind, you know, a lot of the glitz and the glamour and the smoke and the mirror. And what this situation has done is it's taken all those things away. We can't do our, our big programming. We can't have our, our nice big facilities. We we can't have the light shows and all of this. It has, it has taken away everything external, but it hasn't taken away what we actually have as far as we can still preach the gospel and we can still you know have worship and all those things but what it's showing is it's it's showing that you know we have been talking a pretty big game for a while and it's it's starting to see and now not everybody cuz i think that there are a lot of churches that are absolutely, you know, rising out of this and doing amazing things. But the average person is probably looking at their church going, wow, you know, you, you lose your programming and your facility, and suddenly it's, I don't like what's left. And when I read the Bible, what's left should be the actual thing.
0: Right. Do you think people have lost their faith? I mean, have they lost their way?
1: I think people are—it's a weird journey, and I've been on it myself. Is you—you you get to this place where you believe in God, but you don't believe in the church, and it's—it's it's a really difficult place to be because you—you you don't want to give up your faith. It's a big part of who you are, but you—you you almost get to this place where where you just simply can't keep going. I mean, there's there's a study done. Um, I think it was done by faith communities today that they pulled something like uh, 2,500 congregations. And over half of the people said that they didn't think that their church was spiritually vital. Um, That's over half.
0: Help me understand spiritually vital.
1: So I'm guessing, I mean, and that was the verbiage that they used. um, But I'm guessing, you know, basically what it means is, do you think— that if your church ceased to exist, that spiritually it would really matter all that much. Well, wow. and over half the people said, "Yeah, I don't think so."
0: Do so you think they? Walked, mean,
1: that's, a, that's a
0: tough. Do you think they walked away from the church then?
1: I think some of them did, but I think some people just kept going because, like I said, it's it's a routine. It's a routine. People are gonna. This is what I do on Sunday, but that's what is, is going to be so interesting about this time is those people who were doing it just because it was a routine. Now their routine is to not do it. So those people aren't going to come back. You know, when, when all of this goes away, those people now have a new routine. So if routine was the only reason they were going, you know, they're not going to come back. And so that's going to, that's going to ask some major questions of how we keep doing it. Cause it's kind of like, I knew someone who, who had a gym during this and, you know, they had to shut down. And they said, when they opened back up, it was like, they didn't even get half the people back. Yeah. And there were some other reasons for that. But he said, a big reason was, you know, a lot of the people, they were doing it just cause they had the gym membership and they didn't want to go through the trouble of canceling it. Well, when now that's kind of been done for you, they're not going to go out of their way. To to redo that, and I think that that's that's what's going to happen to the church as well.
0: What do you think it's going to take? What do you think it's going to take to get uh, people back to that?
1: I think it's going to be conversations like this. I think it's going to be, you know, the church truly getting back. You know, in, in in my book, we talk about how the church is basically domesticated. So so it's it's in this weird state where you know when you look at you know kind of the premise for the book was was this cat that i had and it was it was a Maine Coon and if any of you have ever seen one they're just they look so wild they look like man that's a cat that can go out and survive but they are so clumsy and it is so clear that they are just not capable that you know there'd been so many things bred out of this cat that it, it 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 couldn't do anything for itself anymore. It was completely reliant. And I think that as as people are starting to see that the church has had a lot of the they look a certain way, but when when push really came to shove, we we don't really have it right now. And so I think for people, they're going to need for for the church to get to a place where everything that it's boasted that it is, it can actually walk out. And I mean, the nice thing is that like the church can do that at any time because it's not really up to us. We just have to get out of the way. Um, But even that, even that's hard. And there's a lot of churches that are going to struggle with getting out of the way because they've been the center of attention for so long. And it's, it's hard to give that up.
0: Well, I'm sure they're under their same routines as well. The church The church organization as itself also have their same routines that have been around for, in some cases, centuries. That they just, this is what we do. This is how we do it. We don't change. This is the way it's going to be. If you don't want to do this, then you're out. Like you say, on both sides of that line. Which is kind of unfortunate because I think that everybody needs to come together and, and understand that we're all the human race. We're all members of society we all need to pull together and make sure that we come through all of this you know right. t- together with with one voice theoretically um yeah even though everybody has their own opinions and their own aspects but realistically we have to be there for each other all the way around that's just my
1: opinion yeah absolutely i agree completely and i think it like i said i think it's it's you you gave a, a great point with the idea that even the church leaders were, were stuck in our routine. And that's what you know you can look back at, you know when when Jesus was on earth and and he was constantly pushing people out of their routine, and he was, you know, just when people thought that they could get a handle on what was going on and get comfortable. He was just changing things up on them, and and you know that's just where we're at, and that's what I mean. I'm very sympathetic to you know churches that have invested a lot in their way of doing things because this is this is a really tough time. Um, but I I think that this is the best possible thing that can happen if we as the church take a step back and um and and listen to what is being told to us. And like I alluded to um, before, is give up our definition, um, you know. And again, if it's if it's in the Bible, then we don't give it up. We do stand on those things. But if it's just something that we have, you know, thought would be a good idea, no matter how many years ago we thought it was going to be a good idea, we have to be willing to give that up. And I think that's the biggest thing that's being exposed right now is, is just we're we. And the average church is is struggling right now to give up their definition of of church, and um, so it's my hope that okay, we we grow a little bit and we get to the place where we can do that. Um, but in the meantime, that's where I'm passionate about reaching out to the Christians that are on the fringes because. There's just a lot of them that are just on the fringes and they're going to church, but they have lots of questions and they don't like what they're seeing. And kind of like you alluded to, they don't like the ugliness politically that they're seeing from, you know, Christians they're supposed to be respecting and they're seeing these. And so they're, they're asking these questions and they're going, how long, how long can I be a part of this? And so it's like that's that's my passion is reaching out to those people and being like, hey, you're not alone. I hear you, and and I give you permission to be restless and frustrated with what you're seeing because there is something better than this, and we need to chase after God's definition of church and let go of ours um, because those people, I I know that they're they're on the fringes right now.
0: What kind of advice can you give those individuals? At least ones that are listening on this podcast. Um, what kind of can yeah, I mean? If, do you you
1: are, if you're on the fringes of the other side, because I think you know whether if you're on the you know if you're saying there's a fence of you know somebody is a Christian or not a Christian, and you know I'm not somebody who's going to say I know where that where that fence exactly is, but I think there's people on both sides of that. I think there's people who really are interested. And what uh, a relationship with Jesus looks like, but what they're seeing in the church is is really preventing them from from crossing over. And then there's people that are that are still a part of the church and and they're still you know Christians, but they they find themselves way on the outside. What I would say to those those people is, you can trust what you're reading in the Bible, and you are able to live out what god is calling you to live out even if there's some things in the bigger picture that are wrong and we see this over and over not just in the bible but in history we see something that started out as good and pure it gets off track especially when it starts to gain power especially when it starts to get full of itself and there's always the you know the biblical word is remnant there's always this remnant that stands up and says, Hey, I am I'm I'm not okay with this, but that doesn't mean I'm giving this up. It just means I will live this out the way that I know it's supposed to be lived out. And even if it's only going to be you and one friend do it because you never know the impact. And, and, and that's one of the, the messages in, in the book is the only way this changes is at the ground level. That's the only way this changes is if enough Christians say, no, I I don't think this is the way that the Bible tells us to live this out. So I'm going to just start living it out the way I know it's supposed to be. And I'm going to trust that as people see it, things are going to start to shift. And so that's where it's just easy to look at everything that's wrong and get discouraged and just say, I, I got to leave. Um, but it's amazing how few people living it differently can start to just have a ripple effect across everything. And so, you know, if you are that person, number one, if you're if you're on the fringe, but inside the church, understand that you taking your faith seriously and making the changes that in your walk with God that you need to you have no idea the ripple effect that that can have in the church um, and if you're on the other side going hey I'm interested in having a walk with God but I look at the church and I look at you know the the average Christian and I'm like no I can't connect with them they they are just understand that there's people who are on the other side who are feeling those same things that that want to walk this out with you and that's the best advice that I can give is just you know as as overused as it is is just be the change like you can do this you don't need permission from someone else to obey what god's calling you to do you don't need that permission you can do it and in fact by you doing that you are the one that's giving other people permission because you'll be shocked at how many people feel the same as you uh they're just not saying anything because like i said you're not allowed to
0: i i agree with that and then if, you, if, you, if I may, um, I just like to point out that that can go across all religions, you know, whether it be the Catholic, Protestant, Christian, um, Nazarene, Methodist, Baptist, it, it doesn't matter. The same principles that you just described, in my opinion, I think apply to all of those Muslims, all, all the way down the line, is that you, you have to be able to have an open mind. At least, again, it's just my opinion, an open mind, an open heart, and then you have to make a valued decision based upon that. And, you know, hopefully you make the right decision.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, and for me, I mean, I agree with everything you say and, and I just, you know, when you, when you read, when you read the Bible, especially the new Testament, you know, the Christian, if you look at, you know, the Christian as like a species, you know, like the Christian was designed to live a certain way. They were designed to walk out a certain way. Just like, you know, you can look at an animal and you can immediately know, hey, a monkey is designed to go climb a tree and, you know, a shark is designed to swim. You're designed, if, if you have God living in you and um, you have this amazing salvation thing that's, you know, unbelievable, you're now designed to go live a certain way. And no matter how much, you try to be happy without doing that, you're not. You, you can see it in all sorts of animals. When If they're designed to do something, no matter how much you try to pamper them, no matter whatever, if you're not letting them do what they were made to do, there's going to be just frustration. And that's where, you know, for most Christians, of course, you're frustrated. You, you know, we have redefined what a Christian, you know, If you went and asked an average person, what is a good Christian, they would say it's the person who obeys all the rules. You know, and in in, in the book, we talk a lot about fences. That's kind of the core concept of the book. That's where domestication is from and all of that. And it's this idea of what being a good Christian, you know, how we've defined that is staying inside of a fence. Um, And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you were to look at a tiger and say, you know, how would you know if a tiger was a, like a good example of a tiger? You wouldn't say, well, the ones that are the best at staying inside a fence, that's a crazy thing to think. And if you tried to do that, you know, the animal would would struggle, you know, and that's what we're finding is if you're struggling and you're frustrated and restless, it's probably because you are not doing what you were you were called to do. You know, Christians are called to, to go do courageous things and press past barriers um, to, to please God and to love people and to show who Jesus is to people who have never seen him and all that. And um, if we're not doing that, we are going to be restless and frustrated because that's what we're made to do. That's what our the Christian species was designed to go do.
0: I agree with that. I think you were talking about your book. Tell me a little bit more about your book.
1: Yeah. Um, it was, it's, it's interesting. It was, it was a long process. Um, and it's the first book I ever wrote. Um, and I started writing it when I was real frustrated. It was, it was like a pure, like I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm I'm writing this to just get it out and vent. I had absolutely no, no plans to publish it. And that was when I was working underneath other people. So I was, you know, I wasn't the lead guy. So it was all, you know, man, when, when I, when I get the chance to lead, I'll do it different. There was a lot of that energy. Um, And then I became a lead pastor and I got to run the show and I started to learn a lot more of not that it was okay, but I started to understand, you know, for me, Everything is about perspective. Everything is about, you know, the church. To me, what, what I've been allowed to do is if, if you're, you know, take a ball and hold it up, you know, the person who's seen it from all angles is the one who can best say, here's the problem. And that was kind of what, that was the last piece. Cause I'd, I'd grown up in the church, you know, I, I, was, I was the kid that, you know, went to church five days a week. I, I was going to a Lutheran school. Monday through Friday, and then was incredibly involved in a Pentecostal church on the weekend. So it was like, even from a young age, I was seeing all these different angles and sides. And so being being the guy in charge, being the guy who got to make the call was the final, like, I think I've really seen this thing, you know? Cause I was even, I was the one who ran away from the church and I hated the church. And, and I'll like, I've seen it from all those sides. And that's when I went back and read it and just was able to dull down some of the sharp edges with a little more maturity, a little more wisdom, but also understanding how I felt in that time other people are really feeling right now. And so I can't just erase that, but try to round it off with a little bit more maturity. Um, And I've always been a visual person. I've always lived in metaphors. So tried to find a way to explain this frustration in a way that most people have had cats and most people have seen a fence and try to get them to understand why you feel so frustrated. In fact, it is good that you feel frustrated because if you didn't, something would feel wrong because you are made to go do something. And right now, the the way that most churches are set up, it's to literally prevent you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so you should be frustrated. And we should be doing things differently.
0: And people should be buying your book. Sounds like a very interesting, <laughs> interesting perspective. And I, I believe I'll have information for that, by the way, at the end of the podcast and in, in the show notes. But yeah, it sounds like a very interesting book. You also have a blog that people can follow and can you can help continue to open that conversation and dialogue. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have a I have a couple things. Like so the the book is called, you know, obviously Feral Christian, which uh, it's funny. That's what I get the most questions about that. Um, I purposefully did it. Cause even when I was writing it, it was like, I want a title that th- just makes people actually go, wait, that can't be right. Like, because it is to me, um, I I've always loved using words that are just descriptors. Like they're just a word to, to describe something, but we only use them as negatives. And to to find a way to, to show the positives of them. And, and to me, I was it was shocked when I looked at what the definition of feral was. It's just to act in a way that's appropriate for your species to act. You see a feral cat, like it's acting like a cat. That's that's the appropriate way that a cat acts. And I couldn't think of a better way to be like, hey, w- there's a way we're supposed to be acting. There's there's a there's a way for our species to live and we should probably try to do that. I mean, I know it doesn't sound like it's a huge epiphany, but for a lot of people it has been because they don't understand. And so the the blog that I write so for me it's like I'm I'm a pastor, that's my main job and I try to not merge these things together because I know I've, I've got a job and I I'm called to love on people and I'm called to teach the Bible. And, but I also know like, there's these, these passions that I have. So I want to find outlets for them. Cause otherwise I'm just going to like spew them all over my church all day. And I don't want to do that. So, you know, I, I love writing. Um, and so the blogs are my way of, you know, you've got you've got something really small and you've got, you know, it's like I, I can't make a book out of this. I'm not I don't want to make a podcast out of this, but it's just something kind of cool. Cause like I said, I live in metaphors. So that's kind of like my metaphor area. So I just did one um that's basically how the church became the three amigos. Have you ever seen the movie Three Amigos? I love that
0: movie. Yes.
1: Okay. So do I. And it is basically, you know, in the movie, they were actors. But all of a sudden there was a mistake and they had to actually become what they had been pretending to be for a long time. And they just wanted to go back to pretending. And it was like they had no choice. It was like, nope, you better actually be. And and so I was just equating that to the church that with everything that's going on, we have kind of found, you know, for so long, if you go to a church on a Sunday morning, it almost feels like a play. Doesn't it almost feels like 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 there's a script and we're all playing a part and we like that. We like acting because we're in charge of the script. We get to plan it out and we get to make sure that we're the heroes and that we win. And all of a sudden with everything that's happened, it's like, no, like the church doesn't get to be actors anymore. We have to actually be the stuff that we've been acting about. And so it's it's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's just like the little blurps of of metaphors and things like that. So that's on, um, I use Medium. So you can find it on my website. All this stuff is just thepharaohchristian.com and that'll give you links to to all of that um but they're usually like three to four minute reads something quick just to i I just like to get people to ask questions and even the book itself i try not to tell people this is what you have to do and this is this is how you have to think it's just these are the questions i hope you ask yourself and really take the answers seriously well
0: that's a good opportunity you give them an opportunity to think and make a choice because we all have a choice you can choose yes, you can choose no, you can choose to move forward, you can choose to curl up, you can choose to shut the door and not talk to anybody at all. We all have a choice. So I think those are excellent choices. And unlike a lot of other pastors or priests or any a lot of the religious leaders that I have known, you also have a podcast.
1: Yeah. And it's the same, you know, for me, it's it's really funny because... As I just said the book to me is not about giving the definitive here's what you have to do I I've got the magic bullet I it, it's very much hey let me try to explain what's going on in a way that I think is going to make sense and put some sort of an identity to the frustration that you're feeling because I know for me that's always huge you know is when I can figure out why I am so restless and frustrated, and so it's 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 biblically walking people through, you know, and it does give some good. Here's here's some steps you can take, and here's what you can do. But I wanted it to become more of a community. That's that was my overall goal. Is like I said, is is to make sure people know they're not alone. Like you're not crazy. You're not the only one asking these questions. You're not the only one wondering these things. And so with the podcast, um, which is just pharaoh Christian podcast. You know, I'm not. I I am creative, but with this, I I tried not to be too creative. It, it just we, we take specific things, and and we just ask, okay, how does this relate to being a Pharaoh Christian? So how would a how would a a feral Christian look at, you know, we we did look at Black Lives Matter, um, you know, and I try not to go all in on the current events, but if there's something really like, hey, we need to, we need to talk about this, I will. But it's a lot of just looking at the specifics and saying, okay, how do we, you know, look at something like the way that the church runs ministries. And how do, can we talk about that and things like that? So, um, again, it's a good outlet for me so that I'm not just, you know, for lack of a better word, vomiting this stuff all over my church. I can I can, you know, be a little bit more well-rounded and and have this as more of an outlet for for, you know, what I feel really passionate about in, in that arena.
0: Well, that's a that's a great name. When I first saw the names of all of those, I'm a cat lover. We used to have three cats and um, all in the house at the same time. So I immediately was drawn to the word Feral. So that's a yeah, great name. And they can find that where?
1: That's on Amazon. So you can just, you can type in Feral Christian. It'll be the first one that comes up. I mean, I'll send you the link if people want to click on the link, but otherwise, um, you know, right on Amazon, It's there's an ebook as well. So And, and that's pretty affordable if, if, if you're somebody that you know, likes likes ebooks. I mean, I think it's something like four ninety nine or something something very very affordable. I think the the paperback is is like nine ninety nine. But I, I yeah, right on Amazon. That's that's the easiest way they can get it right there. And um, like I said, I hope I encourage them encourage them to read it. If you know if you are somebody who is asking these questions, um, I would love for you to read it because I would love for you to hopefully feel some validation to what you're, you're feeling, but also it guides you to, you know, cause so when I was, a, when I was 17, I, I saw behind the curtain of the church kind of for the first time. And it was a hard thing for me to see. I, and I did not handle it well. You know, I, I made all the mistakes. I, You know, I won't go into it, but it was like, they always say, do what you needed when you were younger. I needed this book. I needed someone to say, hey, I see what you see. You're not crazy here. Here's some good steps for you to take. But hey, let's get a community together with people who are seeing what you're seeing so that you can actually affect some change in the church.
0: That's outstanding. Any last words of wisdom?
1: Oh, man. I mean, this is... This has been a humbling time for me, so I don't know if I can call them words of wisdom, because, you know, I feel like every time I've got a grip on something, everything changes, and I'm just hoping that I'm making the right decision. But, I mean, as far as just something that's just on my heart is is, for anybody who wants to be a Christian, or or is open to it, or is a Christian, and and um, well, I guess anyone who's a Christian question why you're doing what you're doing and not in a disrespect disrespectful way but truly ask yourself is what i'm doing based in the bible is what i'm doing um, because someone told me this is what i'm supposed to do or is it because this is what i was made to do and this is what god wants me to do you know in the book we talk about fences and and how That's really how you get domesticated is is you let yourself get fenced in. And and many of the fences are just good ideas. And they're not even bad. You know, people put a fence in your life because they love you. Um, There's a story of Saul and David where David wanted to go fight Goliath. And Saul was this towering, mighty warrior. And he's like, wow, you want to go fight Goliath? Go wear my armor. And David put it on and it just was too heavy. it didn't fit him. and that's not how David was was called to fight. He had a, he had a totally different he was he was all rock and, and sling you know and but Saul had good intentions. He, he wanted to give something good but if David would have kept that armor on it would have become a fence. And so it's just understanding that one of the biggest things David did was he just said this doesn't fit. Um, I'm taking it off. Now, it's not about you know reading the Bible and deciding what part of it you like or not. I'm not telling people to do that. But there's going to be leaders in your life who put fences in there because it's just a good idea. But the, the scary part about that is, is there's going to be times where God calls you to go over a fence that someone's put in, in your life. And that's where we all as Christians have to take a step back and go, which of these fences is from the Bible and which of these fences was just a good idea at some point because we're called to be free and we're called to go do some amazing things. And if we refuse to push past any fence, we're just going to sit and do nothing and we're going to be really frustrated and really restless. And that's where many of us find ourselves. So be willing to press, press through. Be willing to test those fences, poke at them, see if they move. That's my last words, I guess.
0: That's an amazing group of words of wisdom. I really appreciate that. This has been a fantastic conversation with you. I really appreciate your time with us today. And I, I mean, and I um, honestly, I think that you've come up with some very positive aspects for people to uh, take note of and some opportunity for them to be able to look deep inside themselves and, like you said, maybe um, crawl over a fence or two. So thank you very much. Thank
1: you so much me on this is this is a blast and these are the conversations i live for so i really appreciate it
0: well i appreciate you that's it for this episode thank you very much for listening i really appreciate it you will find the links to everything including how to obtain uh, eric's book and how to contact him on my website before you podcast.com that's www.beforeyougopodcast.com as well as in the show notes Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One more thing before you go A unique conversation about life podcast is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.